a very good day to you. My name is Apostle Timmy Evans, the Senior Pastor of Grace Grand Christian Center, Accra, Ghana. You have come to the hub of spiritual upliftment, where your spirit and your soul will be lifted with undiluted word of God and spirit-filled worship. Continue to listen to enjoy today's episode. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our anchor partners. You can become a member through these three major channels. Visit at at underscore events on Instagram. Select view shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events missions on Facebook. Select shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events dot life. Choose donate or sponsor an episode. When you sponsor an episode, we will give you a shout out. And when you also donate, we will also give you a shout out and send our prayers to you. It is very important that we all contribute whatever we can to the spread of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for your grace, your love, your power, and your favor, and the privilege that you have given unto us for the manifestation of your power the manifestation of your favor. Thank you, Lord, for frustrating every works of darkness. Thank you, Lord, for shining your light upon us. Thank you, Lord, for causing your face to shine upon us. This is the day you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Make this one declaration with me this morning. Say, my Father and my God, I have come to that place where my strength has failed me. Come and be my helper. Come and be my helper. I have come to that place where my strength, my energy, my intelligence, my connections, my spiritual life, has failed me. I need your help. I need your help. Put your mind on those things that you need help on. Lord, I need your help. Come and help me. In Jesus' precious name, we have declared. It's a beautiful morning. And today is one of the crucial days in our exploration of the book of Timothy, as we are going to be dealing with two major controversies in the church today that arose as a result of the letter of Paul, which borders around moderation in women and also why women should not be allowed to teach or to assume a leadership role. In the beginning of this uh, study, I shared with you that it is important for us to know that there are some of the Pauline's letters to the church 
even the one in Corinth, the one to Philemon, the one to Titus, the one to Timothy, which we are looking at right now. Some of the letters were written to address specific issue issues that were going on in the church as at that time some of them were not meant to become a standard for following Christ as a matter of fact if we must really look deeply into what the doctrine of Jesus is all about we will have to go as far back as the record of the Gospels. Some of the words of Jesus Christ himself. Some of his teachings. Christ's teachings are supposed to be the foundation of Christian doctrines. I am not saying that Paul Peter and the disciples did not hear from God. What I'm trying to say is that they are humans. And there is this human factor in every interpretation of the scriptures. No matter how we try to make it look like they were perfect. They were not perfect. Paul wasn't a perfect man. In the book of Acts, there was a record of him having a fight with Barnabas and they had to split up a serious fight. John Mark was actually the cause of the fight. It shows that even there were some level of imperfections in the life of the apostles. And there is no way we interpret the scriptures without bringing our own personal values into the interpretation. There is a law which I carved out in the interpretation of the scriptures. I call it the law of neutrality. What does the law of neutrality mean? In my own term, it means that I am interpreting the scriptures. I am interpreting whatever anybody does to me I'm interpreting whatever I read in a book just plainly as the thing was written. I am not adding my culture, what I believe. I'm not adding my perspective. I am not adding anything. I'm not adding my core values, core beliefs. I'm not adding anything to that. I just open up my mind. And I allow the Holy Spirit to interpret the scriptures for me. That's the law of neutrality. So the Holy, Holy Spirit comes into whatever I am reading and give me the interpretation that comes from the mind of God. So when we want to look at the doctrine of the church today, many of the things that we talk about, polygamy, fornication, adultery, moderation, holiness, 
borders around the doctrine, the teachings of Paul, the Pauline letters. There was an issue I usually have with suspension when a brother and a sister commits sin in the church or when a brother is rude to his leader or they do something wrong in the church. There is something we call suspension and excommunication. Pause belief on suspension is that somebody who commits sin, a believer who is still struggling with sin, probably he smokes in the secret, he drinks alcohol in the secret and is an elder in the church, such person should be relieved of his duty in the church and openly handed over to the devil to be tormented. And that, if we look at it very, very well, the time of the apostles, the time of Christ, there were many of the people at that time who saw Christ face to face, who had one-on-one physical encounter with Christ. When such an individual commits sin, and, and we also have first-generation Christians who did not witness the... They saw Jesus, but they didn't believe him. But after his ascension, after his resurrection, their brain came back home, and then they believed, and then they gave their life to Christ. Those are the first-generation Christians. You cannot compare first-generation first generation Christian to our own generation after 2,000 years. You know why? The first-generation Christians had some sort of physical encounters that made them believe that truly Christ is the Lord. And such encounter, when we go to the psychological aspect of the whole thing, if I have an encounter with God face to face, I see some miraculous things and I submitted my life to Christ, I am aware of the efficacy and the importance of me not losing my foundation, my, my salvation. So when I make some mistakes and they sack me from the church or they relieve me of my position, I feel sorry for myself and I go to God and I find a way to repent until I get restored back to the house of God. What I'm trying to say is that there were many Christians who were matured they have that maturity, they have that personal revelations, personal relationships with God, that even when they are suspended or excommunicated from the church, they find their way to make amends and they come back to the house of God, even if it has to mean that they have to come and apologize openly because they understood the value of the church. We are in a generation where people don't even recognize the value of a pastor. They see a church as a place of 
social gathering where they can go and socialize, meet new girls, meet new boys. People are in the choir because they just want to appear so good for their friends. They want to show their talent. They want people to know that they can sing. People are in the singing ministry because they just want people to know that they are talented. And some are even looking for a way to sing for somebody in the church to sign them so that they can make money. That orientation of working with God, working for God, serving God is no longer there. So when such a person is suspended openly in the church, they feel disgraced and then they move out of the presence of God and you've handed them over to the devil, the devil will grab them and their soul will be lost. So my own perspective is before you suspend somebody, before you punish somebody for the sin they commit, you should try as much as possible to build a personal relationship with them and God. Help them to build a relationship with God. Help them have a better understanding of what it is to have a relationship with God. You as a pastor, you don't even teach about developing a relationship with God. Every Sunday, all you do is prophecy. Every Sunday, all you do is prayer. People don't know the difference between sanctification, justification, holiness. They don't know anything about the doctrine of Jesus. They don't know anything about love. All they know is collapse by fire, be destroyed, or be uprooted. All they know is deliverance. All they know is prophecies. There is no maturity. They are matured in prophecy, but they are not matured in their work with God. So, one of the Pauline's letter that I found so irrelevant in our day today is the doctrine of handing people over to the devil when they sin. When somebody sin, they need love. They need to be shown they are part back to God. They need to be supported. Not that they come to church, they have, uh, the church has received a special sinner's chair for them and that is where they have to sit. We have people that will not even them people will laugh at them people will mock them in the house of god ushers we use that as an opportunity to mess them up at the entrance of the church that's why so many people are leaving the church today and they prefer to stay at home somebody offended you as a pastor is the attempt to sing on the is the, is the attempt to sing you don't you, you did not go to them privately it is when they handle the microphone and they want to sing that is when you fed the need to disgrace them off the altar. And you expect the person to mature and stay in the church after you've disgraced the person. And we say we are following uh, the doctrine of the, of the law. How do you, your intention is very, very important. Now, let's go to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're reading from verse 8 to verse 15. Verse 8 to verse 15. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. This is very, very important. Paul is telling Timothy that it is important for all men to be standing at the altar of prayer. If you want to succeed in life, you must be a prayerful person. Also, that women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and a good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, 
gold, pearls, and expensive apparel, but with good works, as is proper for women who affirm that they worship God. Paul was advising the people of Ephesus through the church of Ephesus through Timothy. And Timothy's instruction, directions from Paul to Timothy is that he should ensure that the women in his church dress in a modest manner. In a modest manner. Modesty is the word here. Modesty does not mean that it should become a law. That it is a sin for women to wear trousers. I have an issue with that. They call the book of Deuteronomy that curse uh, shall be a, a man who uses a, a woman thing and a woman who uses a, a man thing. There are trousers that are made for women. We have churches today who make it the center of their doctrine. They make this Bible passage the center of their doctrine that a woman, it is a sin for a woman to wear trousers. It is a sin for a woman to wear makeup. It is a sin for a woman to wear wigs. It is a sin for a woman to dress and look good. They prefer women to turban their hair, turban your hair, even if you did not plait your hair. And you are looking for husband. You are looking for husband. You turban your hair from morning to night. When you open the hair like this, the, the kind of smell that comes from the hair is like you are just coming from a place where they, 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 they were killing cows. Forgive me. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul is telling the people of Ephesus. And when we read the Bible, we should always learn to contextualize the Bible. What does it mean to contextualize the Bible? Contextualize me the, the Bible means you are comparing the time, the relevance of that teaching at the time it was taught and the relevance of that teaching now. Number one, the people, the culture, the time that this word was sent to the people. And then lastly, the event that led to the sending of this letter. Was there a time in the church of Ephesus that the women were dressing like Jezebels to church? That could be the need for this kind of teaching, for this kind of letter. And believe me, when Paul was writing this letter, Paul was writing the letter to Timothy for the church of Ephesus. He was not having it in his mind. He is not even. He wasn't thinking generational. He was not thinking about oh, there could be a generation after Timothy. There could be a, a, a generation of women after Timothy that we need this kind of thing. I'm writing to Timothy. He was writing to Timothy for Timothy to fix the problem that was going on in the Church of Ephesus. That doesn't mean that it is not relevant in our days because the same Christianity that Timothy was teaching people is the same thing we are teaching today. But where I have issues is people capitalize, churches capitalizing on this and telling women 
It is a sin to keep your hair. It is a sin to plait your hair. It's a sin to wear wig. It's a sin. Some even went to the extent of saying that wig is from marine kingdom. That wig is from marine kingdom. I've heard a teaching that said using cream, most of the cream are from marine kingdom. Were you in the marine kingdom to see what they used to produce the cream? The point here is that there are some teachings of hell that was meant to cause fear in people. Some people say, oh, God took them to hell and then they came back from hell and they saw after 20 years they came and confessed that all they taught for 20 years was a lie. That they never gone any, to any hell or any, any heaven. Whereas they've made enough money lying to people. So Christianity has now become a place where rogue can just come up with doctrine to siphon money from people. To sort of create a camp for themselves, a camp of people that they can lead and lord themselves over. That wasn't what Jesus came to teach. Jesus met Mary Magdalene, who was possessed with seven demons, who was dressed in a worldly manner. Jesus did not reject her. As a matter of fact, Jesus helped her and cast out the seven spirits from inside her, and she became one of the, the women disciples in the, in the body of Christ. There were, women, there, there were people who were supposed to be stoned to death that Jesus brought them close to, them, to himself. And he never tried to change their appearance. Don't get me wrong. The Bible advises us that women should be modest in their dressing. Modesty means anything that exposes your, your body. A Christian woman should not wear it. Anything that exposes your body, a Christian woman should not wear it. Anything that will make you dress in a manner that will seduce the opposite sex, a Christian woman should not wear it. Doesn't mean you should not look good. Doesn't mean you should not, you should not wear trending dress. Trending dress, there are trending dress that are godly. You can wear suits. You can look neat. You can look nice. You can wear your hair. You can do your wig. You can you can get look neat, look look nice. Anything you will not wear to workplace, don't wear it to church. Anything you will not wear to your workplace, don't wear it to church. There was a time in our church because I had a lot of students, young young students, teenagers, who were in the university, and they had an issue with our mode of dressing. One of our mode of dressing then, because I was in Mountain of Fire, and when I started my ministry, I sort of brought that Mountain of Fire doctrine into my ministry, and which was very strict about wearing wig, strict about if you are going to be a member of the working team, you cannot wear wig, you cannot put lipstick on your lips, you cannot um, in fact, you cannot use too much makeup. All those stuff. After one year, I realized that all these things were just dogmas. All these things were dogmas. They were somebody's perception, somebody's interpretation of the scriptures. 
we're not allowed to use drum. We're not allowed to use any uh, drumming instrument. So after one year, I changed. What I did was that one day, some of the girls were having, we usually have this last Sunday of the month. We call it, uh, it's more like uh, Inspirational Sunday, where I don't preach on that Sunday. We treat one topic and everybody contributes in the church. Everybody can ask questions relating to, it's more like an open counseling sessions for all our church members. So we use one Sunday in a month to do that. We can pick topics on self-esteem. We pick topic on re parental rejection. We all dissect it, discuss it, and then everybody get blessed. People ask their question. I, anybody who can answer the question, answer it. We spend like three hours doing that every last Sunday, every third Sunday of the month. And in one of those Sundays, a question came up. What should be the dress code for the women in the church? Because there were people who followed me from MFM who also had the same MFM mentality. So it was, ladies want to wear trousers to church. They feel free wearing trousers to church. Other churches around allow them wearing trousers. And if other churches wear trousers, are they not worshipping the same God? What is the problem? Why are we not allowed to wear trousers? And I told them that, well, I don't have any problem with you wearing trousers. I don't have any problem with you wearing trousers. And those people who have the problem wearing trousers should know today that I, as the pastor of the church, I do not have problem wearing trousers. As long as the trouser you are wearing is modest enough and it's not going to be too tight that when you stand in the front, you are ministering to people, it's your backside that boys will be looking at. Because we have girls, we have a lot of boys in the church. So my rule then was that if you must wear a trouser, make sure you wear a top that covers your back to your tie level and it must be free. And then everybody was okay with that. And after I allowed that, then I realized that people were wearing tight to church. These tight fitting trousers. So I called the meeting again and said, listen, this is the problem. This is the reason why some church makes it so strict that you cannot wear trousers. Because when you give people one inch, they want to take 1,000 inch. And that was how we solved the issue. And people were free and they were free to dress in a modest manner. So dress code for Christian. Don't wear anything that is not allowed in your workplace to church. Anything that will provoke lust, don't wear it. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Ensure there is modesty. Everything must be done in moderation. Moderation. You are going to church. Don't look as if you are going to a party. You are going to a nightclub. You are going to church. Don't go and wear short knicker. Don't go and wear short skirt. Short uh, bomb shorts. And you, are, you say you are going to church. Some of you, you go to church, people can see your breast. You wear dress that will show your cleavage. You are, you are trying to lead people to hell. Cover up. 
That's what Paul is saying. Another issue that was discussed in this verse, in verse 11, he said, a woman should learn in silence with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to be silent. This is another place. And this is where I'm going to close. This particular instruction from Apostle Paul to Timothy has caused a lot of controversy in many churches. And it's still causing controversy in many churches today. There are still churches where women are not allowed to be leaders. You can be a deacon. You can lead any group in the church. You can even lead choir. You can't teach Sunday school. Why? Why did Paul give this instruction? That is where contextualizing the scripture comes in. In the time of Paul and at the church of Ephesus, there were women who were causing commotion, causing fight in the church. And it was due to the problem that were being caused in the church by these women that Paul gave this instruction. There are people who said they can never listen to a woman preach. They can never stand or sit under the preaching of a woman. Holy Spirit impartation is not gender-based. The Holy Spirit can come upon anyone. He can use a woman. He can use a man. What interpretation I have for this place for me is that women should as much be submissive in their leadership. We have women that once they are given opportunity to do things, they are not matured. They start trying to mess things up. You give them one inch. They, they want to harass everybody in the church. The pastor's wives who want everybody to give account of everything. They want to be in everywhere. When it comes to cooking, they want to be there because they are pastor's wives. When it comes to choir, they want to scatter there. When it comes to even instrumentalist, instrumentalist, also for mommy, what are you doing trying to correct the instrumentalist? Ushers, she want to be there. Protocol, she want to be there. Everywhere she want to be. These people are the reason why Paul said a woman should keep quiet. Because such women, you give them an inch, they want to take everywhere. They want to control. In fact, they even want to control what the pastor can preach. You say, oh, uh, I would suggest you, you preach against indecent dressing next Sunday. I will suggest you preach against the use of cream next Sunday. I will suggest you preach against men that are not giving their wife money next Sunday. Who are you to suggest to your husband? Are you the one that called him? Many women do not understand that for a pastor to be able to preach to his people on Sunday or anytime he want to preach, you need to go to God and ask God, Father, what do you want me to talk to your children 
this week. Not that you go on the internet and just download any message and go and be preaching to the people. Not that somebody will just come up and say, oh, hello, uh, uh, sister so so and so, the trust that she won last week Sunday was too, was a little, a little bit tight. So this Sunday, preach. Preach against wearing trousers. Church is not on that way. These are the reasons why Paul said women should shut up when it comes to the leadership, when it comes to teaching, because we have matured women and we have immatured women. Immatured women that cannot even run their own home, that cannot even keep their home in peace, they want to be a teacher in the church. And they will bring that attitude of lack of submission from home, they will bring it to the church thereby destroying the church. They will destroy the church. They will scatter the church totally. Women who cannot even submit their husbands, they cannot submit to any leadership in the church. If a woman cannot submit to her husband, your husband is first your Lord, your, 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 your pastor. Your husband is your pastor. Many women prefer to submit to their daddy Submit to their spiritual father, but they will not submit to their husband. You are getting it wrong. Any woman who cannot submit to her husband, when such woman is given an opportunity to teach in the church, they will mess up the mind of people. They will mess up people, people's mind. They are always the one who causes problem in the church. Those are the kind of women that Apostle Paul is talking about. We have matured women, submissive women, respectable women, Holy Spirit filled women. Because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will cause you to, to, to submit. I know a lot of great women of God who are pastoring great churches. They are married. And they never undermine their husband. They still recognize the role of their husband in their life. Despite the fact that they were great preachers of the word of God. Their husband is still part of their life because they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So it is not a law, neither is it a doctrine that a woman should not teach in the church. In my own case, the only reason why I will not allow a woman to teach in our church is if her antecedents have shown that she's immature. She lacks submission. And she's problematic. She's always causing problems in his, in her teachings. Women want to talk about things they don't even know anything about. You heard something on TV. You heard something on you heard somebody teach on TV. And because you heard somebody taught, teach that doctrine, that message on TV. You say, ah, my husband, I want to be the one to preach this Sunday. Give me opportunity to preach. That thing I heard on TV, I want to share it in the church. Have you scrutinized the doctrine you heard on the TV? It is not everything you hear on TV that is actually biblical. Sensationalism is on TV. We have so much sensationalism in the church today, in the preachers today. They just want to have fun talking about unnecessary things, things that are not even written in the Bible, talking about using herbs 
adding herbs to prayers, and you want to seek permission from your husband to go and teach that in the church. A church who does not believe in herbs, a church who believes only in the name of Jesus, you want to teach people how to use herbs on Sunday. These are the reasons why Paul said women should not be allowed to teach, but it is not a doctrine. It was a prescription for the problem that was going on in the church of Ephesus. So all the people who are saying no woman should teach, go back to your Bible and scrap that doctrine. Identify matured women, people who are capable of occupying leadership positions. Give them the opportunity to be in that leadership position. Identify those who are incapable of being in leadership position and bring them to a place of followership. That's what the Bible is saying. I commit you into the hands of God this week and I pray that the glory of God will continue to abide within each and every one of us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our Anchor Partners. You can become a member through these three major channels. Visit at AT underscore events on Instagram. Select view shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit AT Evans Missions on Facebook. Select shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit ATEvans.life. Choose donate or sponsor an episode. When you sponsor an episode, we will give you a shout out. And when you also donate, we will also give you a shout out and send our prayers to you. It is very important that we all contribute whatever we can to the spread of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to today's message. Please share with your family and friends. Follow me on Instagram at at underscore events. I'm also on TikTok at at underscore events. I'm on YouTube at 80 Evans Missions. See you in the next episode.